Hey, one more thing before you go. What if you could delve into your past, your present, and your future lives? Have you ever thought about spirit releasement therapy? And what does deja vu actually have to do with past lives? We're going to have a conversation with a soul therapist and answer all of those questions and more. I'm your host, Michael Hurst. Welcome to One More Thing Before You Go. My guest in this episode is Katish Haberfield. She's a soul therapist, an international best-selling author, and a podcaster. She talks on the topic of spiritual regression therapy, spirit releasement therapy, and related topics. Katish helps old souls, star seeds, and light workers, don't worry, we're going to talk about that, to break free of karmic behaviors and limiting beliefs impacting their potential and soul purpose. She accesses the sub in the superconscious mind across all lifetimes. This is going to be a fantastic and fascinating conversation, so please continue to join us to tap into and break the patterns, beliefs, and the karmic vows that are holding you back so you can live a life according to your soul's desires. We all want that. Not your ego or your karmic past through many of the modalities, including age, past life regression, life between lives regression, future life progression, and Akashic Records healing. According to your needs, she has a passion for helping people with abundance of all levels, especially financial and relationship, and unlocking the most important kind of abundance, independence of self-love. Welcome to the show, Katish. Thank you, Michael. Thank you for having me today. What an amazing, diverse opportunity that your life has been through to learn so much about life mm. and the afterlife. Mm-hmm. Certainly not something that I picked that I would do. If you asked me at, say, age five, what are you going to do? wouldn't be that answer. <laughs> yeah, I think sometimes we're put in a position where we kind of go, no, I really wanted to be an astronaut, but here I am. <laughs> yeah, actually, I vividly remember thinking, I have no idea. You know, I, well, at five years old, it's okay. I think that we're not sure what we want to do. It's, it's Sometimes we have to, I think I, think I did, I can't count you how many jobs I had to do before I finally went, I don't like that, and I don't like that, and I don't like that, and this one I really like. So life puts us, I think, where we're supposed to be. Mm, exactly. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I'd love to start at the beginning, if you don't mind. Where did you grow okay. up? Okay. Where did I grow up? Uh, I grew up in Brisbane, in Queensland, in Australia, which is where I live now. But don't worry, I'm not a small town person. I've lived all uh, all over the place, and... I lived in Brisbane, Australia until my parents decided to take up a work opportunity in Papua New Guinea. Papua New Guinea is above Australia. And my parents lived there for, I think it was five years while I went to boarding school. So the first part of my life uh, was in Brisbane, Australia. And then after I um, graduated from university, that's when I started moving around the country and other places in the world. So you went to university, may I ask, what, what was your major? What was you? What were you really sure, to do I did, when you grew up? <laughs> I've done many, many things at university, many different courses. I started off doing a Bachelor of Business, majoring in marketing. And then, uh, to be honest, at the end of the degree, I was like, I still don't know what I want to do. So I applied for all the graduate recruitment schemes, got into none. And so I was like, okay, 
maybe I want to do law. So apply for law, uh, honours and masters and got into all of them. And I looked at my dad and I remember saying, Dad, well, I really enjoyed the law bit of my degree. Shall I do law? And he looked at me and he was just like, no. Uh, and I started to hear about my friends doing their articleships and how basically they were treated pretty badly. And I was like, maybe I don't want to do law. So I'll just do Masters of Marketing until I figure out what I want to do. Uh, so I, did, I went straight into my Masters degree. And uh, so at the age of 21, I graduated with a master's degree in marketing and I then went straight into work for um, a management consultancy Accenture which is used to be called Anderson Consulting so uh, that's uh, the largest ma- uh, consultancy in the world well it was at the time yeah oh, and my specialty was e-commerce so back in that time and I know you're old enough to remember like me is that we were trying to figure out how to get the internet onto mobile phones Oh yeah, yeah. That's that's a little ways back. <laughs> we we won't tell everybody how long. <laughs> yeah, so that, that's uh, our secret. <laughs> yeah, that my especially back then was all things e-commerce. You know, back you know when online shopping was revolutionary and people were try, still trying to figure out how to translate a brochure into content for the web. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. I, you know, I remember those days uh, uh, when I was with the police department, uh, you know, we had this conversation before we started, but uh, as my listeners and viewers understand, you know, um, I, I was at the police department where we still had to physically type our reports out, which was mm-hmm. a pain because if you messed up, you had to start over because it had to be perfect. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you'd spend there three hours after shift trying to get all your reports right. And then we finally had to migrate to computer, which... Well, that was, as you know, that was kind of a a whole new, and then everybody, especially the old guys at that time, were going, I'm not doing this. You know, they're going, no, 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 that's just too fandangled for me, and I'm not going to do that. It's, (laughs) so I understand your journey. I do understand Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Um, And what was your family like? Family is wonderful. Uh, I have a sister who is two and a half years younger than me, and I have a mum and a dad, and they stayed married until my dad died. So, uh, very, very normal, un well, I would call it actually abnormal, untraumatic upbringing. No, untraumatic, untraumatic is better than dysfunctional. Yeah, no, no, no issues. Yeah, yeah, definitely better than dysfunctional. I'm not repressing it, anything there. There was nothing. There's nothing. I, I experienced no horrendous circumstances, no trauma, no nothing. And I think that was because I needed the solid grounding of a stable home life and family life to do what I do now. <laughs> well, how, how did that door open for you? How, how did you know that you were um, going to get into soul therapy and, and kind of move in that direction? Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't. I followed, I've always just followed my curiosity. So I have been many other things other than a management consultant. I became a university lecturer. I retrained in the wine industry and became a wine marketer. So I went back to university, learned about um I did uh, a qualification with Le Cordon Bleu and a university here, which was the gastronomy, which is history of food and wine. And then I also did wine business, which studied winemaking, wine marketing, uh, wine grape growing. Um, And then uh, I got married and I got divorced and I I was a single mum of two children and I decided that I needed to 
uh, be at home and have a home-based business uh, because my ex-husband was what we call here in Australia a FIFO worker, that's fly in, fly out. So I was the stable parent um, and because he lived out in the country, he would only see them um, occasionally every second weekend uh, for a day or two just because of his career. So I decided I need to figure out this stay-at-home thing and try and figure out an income. So then I went into essential oils uh, and also photography. And about this stage, I started to get really frustrated because uh, I knew I was technically very competent at everything that I tried. I knew I was intelligent. I knew I could learn anything from a book. Uh, Being a university lecturer, you know, I know that... I could teach myself anything um, and I couldn't understand why I wasn't receiving the success that I expected. Uh, when I graduated from my master's degree, I got the Dean's Award for Academic Excellence, so it didn't. It really didn't logically make sense. Um, I studied everything to do with the mind in the background, so as Way back as I can remember, I discovered Tony Robbins, understood emotions, uh, studied emotions and the mind, understood how the mind works. Uh, and still, I knew that you could uh, create emotional state changes uh, instantaneously using any of Tony Robbins' methods, also using essential oils, also using EFT and tapping. And I still couldn't achieve what I wanted to achieve in the world Um from a satisfaction perspective with my career. I felt like I was treading against the water. Um, And then the world was gifted with COVID. And what that allowed me to do was to say, no one's going to do anything for the next year. Here's my chance to just take a break and just say, do you know what? I'm just going to do stuff for fun and just see where it leads me. And so uh, for those that are watching this behind you, Behind me, you can see crystal singing bells. And I was like, hmm, I'm really drawn to these. I wonder why. Let me just um, figure that out. And the figuring it out was actually linked to, I was started to go through very, very early menopause. And I went to a sound healing event just before, um, before COVID lockdowns, which really helped me with some of the symptoms that I was experiencing. And so I thought, oh, I'm really responsive to sound therapy. Let me learn about sound therapy. So I went and did a sound therapy course, as you do, and learned about the science behind that um, and thought, okay, I really like this. I want to help people with their emotions with crystal singing bowls. So I started offering um, sound therapy sessions uh, not to treat physical ailments. In sound therapy, you can go down the route of physical ailments where you're kind of like a chiropractor or, or an acupuncturist and you actually put the bowls on people and you play them and it removes stuck energy. Uh, Being at the start of COVID, I knew that that was not going to work because I knew there was going to be several years where we were not going to do things in studios, in businesses. I thought that was a stupid idea. Uh, So I was like, I'll deal with the emotional side. I understand emotions. And very quickly I understood that um, I seemed to have an innate ability um, to take people into a very deep um, shamanic-like trance state and that I could access and heal healings, uh, feelings in the womb and move energy for females in the womb uh, and that I could 
um, take it from there and heal all sorts of emotions, help bring it to the surface. And I was talking to a friend who I'd never met in my life, but I had been in some online courses uh, and was chatting to her via messenger. And I said, I know that you've trained in some form of past life regression therapy. I've been reading about past lives and NDEs also uh, for a very, very long time. I have the funny feeling that I can take people into past lives just by using the singing bowls. And she said, oh, well, I know you can. Just try it. And so I got a volunteer, a friend that was a volunteer, and did it straight away. Um, so I was like, okay, that's fascinating. And um, let me learn how to do this professionally. And over the time, I have removed the singing bowl component from it because it, although it takes people in a very deep state and it, it, it reduces their fears about the whole hypnosis process, I can do it much faster with uh, just using my voice as the tool rather than a singing bowl. So um, when uh, I then trained as a uh, trained in past life regression therapy, life between lives therapy, future life progression therapy, um, things started to shift in my own world. And at the same time that I was working with clients, I was making sure that I was doing my own work. So as many clients as I was seeing, um, and recording sessions for the podcast as well, I was then doing my own work. And I was very upfront about um, the fact that I was doing this first and foremost to discover more about myself and how understanding how the mind stream works at an eternal level. And I wanted to discover how I could access past lives to unblock my own life and then apply that learning to other people. So that's where it started in a long answer, but yeah. That's okay. I mean, a very interesting answer. I, the, the, I think we all sometimes don't really know the direction in life we're supposed to be, and circumstances put us in that direction or puts us on that path. And um, they've done it for you brilliantly. I think the universe puts you on a path that uh, obviously you do. You move people forward in a very positive way, at least from what I've learned about you so far. And um, I mean, what's better? What's better? karmically what's better inside into your heart and your soul in than to help other people understand their souls and and release them from i mean personally i believe that <clears throat> excuse me personally i believe <clears throat> that we i believe in reincarnation i do believe that we live you know more than one life and i think that each time we come here we have to learn something more or, or new or or uh, a new behavior of, of some type. Um, <clears throat> but we all have that question. It can't let me let me let me say this really quick. Um, I have a, I am a certified investigative hypnos, hypnotist. And okay. I learned that when I was um, on the job. I learned that for the police department so that we could take people back to specific eras in time to help them understand or work through the trauma of a, an incident or as if they were a victim of or a witness to something that allowed us to be able to gain more insight into what took place. Or it was never admitted into court at that time, but mm -hmm. it allowed us to kind of say, okay, you got a partial license plate, then we could work off the partial license plate. And then we'd piece all that together. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and that would, you can come up with a full license plate and then, mm -hmm. you know, allow us to move forward with that. I haven't actually taken somebody back past into a past life, but I do mm -hmm. understand the process from which, mm -hmm. you know, I think it's fascinating that we can 
take that journey where we can visit a past life and and really understand what we brought forward in this life. It is, I mean, that's mm. possible, correct? Correct, absolutely. It's it's a hop, skip, and a jump to just move from today to yesterday to last month to last year to. Whoosh, your mind will take you wherever you want to go as long as you give it specific instructions um, because there has to be a purpose and an intent to doing this kind of stuff. You can do a past life regression anytime, but the stuff that I do is past life regression therapy. So what that does is it's it has a specific intention at the start of the session, which is what are you here for? What is troubling you? What uh, do you wish to find the answers to? And we look for the root cause of the issue. So you may say to me, uh, I don't know, some people come to me about money. You may say to me, I haven't been able to earn money in six months, eight months, 12 months. My clients have all dried up and I don't understand what has happened. Uh, at a logical and rational level, I am doing everything that I've done before, but something, something's not working. And so... I ask clients to fill out a really quite in-depth set of forms to get the conscious mind working on it. And then when we go uh, into the session, we have a chat about it and then I direct their higher self. I say, uh, you need to take us to the moment in time that is the root cause to this event. And that's how we direct where in the eternal mind stream to go to. You know, that, that's, that's extremely interesting. I mean, I believe we are all light energy in a soul. So can you help us understand um, the connection between that soul that we've got and source and how we can go from life to life? Um, I mean, and without going, I mean, obviously there's way too much time to really go into that, but help us understand how that takes place because I know that there are those out here that might be watching and or listening that may not understand how we can take our soul, our, our soul leaves this body, and, and we have a choice of coming back into another one in a future life, in a future time. Mm. And then we've got, as you said, the past ones. Um, how is all that connected together? Okay. So the first thing to understand, which is possibly the most difficult part to get your head around, is that there is no such thing as time. Time is a human concept. We operate our world around time, but all time, there's only the present moment right now. Okay, so all time is now. So therefore, all lives are now. And so therefore, you technically are never born and you never die because you're always alive. It's just that it's kind of like going into a clothing shop and changing an outfit. So with that said, the best way that I can find to visualize it, and for those who are watching, I'll put it up here. Imagine my fist is the center of a flower. Picture whatever flower you like, say a fun sunflower. The, the center of the sunflower is your soul, and each petal on the sunflower is a different costume change or a different life. The... Um, and. I will preface this with my understanding changes with every single client I have and every session I do of myself. So um, this soul um, shoots off and sends new flowers out to experience what it calls adventures to get to know itself whenever it wants to. Because time is not, uh, is not linear, time is, uh, if you want to think of time as a concept, think of it as a, a um, vertical stack rather than a horizontal stack 
it the soul doesn't have to wait for a petal to come back to do a baton change for the next petal to come out. So you can have as many adventures going at once as you like. They're all and in all reality, they're all going at the same time. Um, but the human mind likes to concept and process based on linear time. So the best way that I first learned to deal with it was I started getting a pen and a paper. And as I was doing my own uh, past life regression sessions, I would write down where I thought my soul had gone on a linear time stack. Okay, I visited this life. It was in 1300, I li- you know, and, and tracked it that way. Um, but your soul doesn't have – the the years and the dates – are based on the appropriateness of a time frame and what's going on in that location that your soul wants to experience. And in fact, if your soul really chooses to, your soul can send multiple petals out to experience an adventure in the same time frame, in the same country, in the same family, in the same location, anywhere, if it wants to. It's totally up to you. You decide what adventure you want to have. So if you want to have yourself uh, incarnated as three different people in 1918 experiencing uh, World War One from three different perspectives, you could. Uh, if your soldier says, no, I just want to have one uh, lifetime in the World War One," that's fine. It will just experience one lifetime in World War One. So that's that component. Um, if you want to understand how our soul is linked to source then i can recommending reading i can recommend reading books one two and three of conversations with god by neil donald walsh um and it describes the inseparability of um source from all our souls and basically uh we are all one there is only one master soul but that, uh, that is source or whatever you want to call source, but source creates new souls to experience things so it gets to experience itself in multiple different ways. That's a lot of stuff, so you might want to stop there and ask That's me a brilliant, a brilliant uh, analogy. It, in fact, it reminds me of the movie that ju- we just watched, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Oh, yeah. I got halfway through that and I was like, ah, oh, too violent. It, yeah, but it's uh, but it it's similar to that. She's mm-hmm. living all these different. I don't want to give the plot away to everybody. So if you haven't watched it yet, close your ears. You know, she it goes out and she she experiences all these different lifetimes at the same time, mm-hmm. and then she pulls upon the strengths of each one of those, and or the weakness of each one of those to help her deal with what she's dealing with in this one. Um, That's so, correct, and yeah. you can do that. But you don't need to put an earpiece in and push the button to activate the powers of your other lifetimes. That's the part that I was like, oh, they're so close to being exactly accurate. Uh, Because one of the benefits about past life regression therapy or or visiting any of your lifetimes through through, uh, spiritual regression therapy is that once you have visited that lifetime, figured out what your blocks were, uh, the experience that you had in that lifetime, um, you can actually... You've made contact with that, I call it avatar of that lifetime, and you can establish communication if you choose so that at any time you can ask them for their perspective and you can bring forward the abilities they have for that lifetime. Now, it does sound fantastical, but it's true. 
That's brilliant. I mean, you see me smiling. I mean, it's brilliant. I, <laughs> I can understand that connection right off the bat. I mean, I think it's amazing. Now, of course, I come from an understanding of regression, hip, you know, hypnosis. So I do understand that you can take somebody back to a different time. The concept of that is not um, uh, 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 kicked out of my head, basically. Um, yes, I do have a master's degree. I couldn't think of the right words. So it is, I, I think that we as human beings, sometimes it's hard for us to grasp or remember that mm. we can have the opportunity to be able to do this within ourselves. So mm. and just, to kind of, just to kind of cover a little bit of what we were talking about, and we all have a good understanding of this. We are living currently in this spot. If I've got an issue with a money block, for example, like you just used as an analogy, or a time block, like, um, I, I hate being late. I hate being late. I hate being late. Why am I always mm -hmm. late? And we can go mm -hmm. back in your soul therapy. You can take somebody back to these particular instances, whatever it happens to be, whether it be money block or the time block or, um, a creative block or whatever the case it might be. Food could be food. Mm -hmm. Food's a big one. Yep. Mm -hmm. That you can, you can use your skills, your experience to bring that person through those lives to help them understand what the block is, how to manage or remove that block so that you can function in your present arena right now. Mm -hmm. Yep. Correct. The key is to get uh, a higher perspective. So uh, what we do is we only view the portion of that life that is relevant. So it's not like a QHHT, whatever you call it, um, session where you go for five hours. Um, we cover many lifetimes in one session to make sure that uh, we get the correct percentage of impact this had. So each lifetime at the end of the lifetime, when I cross the soul back, uh, the portion of your soul back over to the light to make sure that you can get to the, do the life review, I ask for each particular block in your own words, what, what, what was the thing that was holding you back? What was the value? What was the statement you made? And then I say, give it a, uh, a percentage from zero to a hundred where a hundred is, um, uh, the, the most, what percentage of this limiting belief or vow are you willing to release today? And sometimes people will say 60%. I'm like, okay, great. Let's release 60%, but we've got 40% more to do. So I know there's got to be other lives to go back to. And so then I'll direct after we've released it um, to the to the higher self. I'll say, please now take us to the next lifetime to help us get this closer to the 100%. Um, so the ultimate gain, gain is aim is 100%, but it may not be your time to your soul may not be ready to remove that 100%. So we just, we don't force anything. We say, what is, what, at this stage in your evolution, what are you ready to, to deal with percentage-wise? That makes a lot of sense. It really does. I think that, you know, I think we all yearn to understand why certain things in our life happening are happening at the moment or why we do the things we do the way we do them and or those blocks. Because I think there's a lot of, we, I think we all have to some point, we all have, either a money block or a food block or, you know, a, a time block. Um, I, I wish I could expand upon that, but it is, it is interesting how we have the opportunity. It's given to us through people like you or within ourselves that we can come back and try to correct that, which is a very, a very positive thing. I, and I have to ask this question because people are going to ask, people I think I'm going to wonder, um, because we continue to do this and we take the soul out into different lives and like the pedal that you just used, is there a heaven and a hell? 
So heaven and hell is a human construct. Um, yes, there is heaven. Yes, there is an afterlife. No, there is not hell unless you believe there to be hell. We are people who create by thought and by speech. And so the most important thing is what you believe at the sub and superconscious mind level at the time of death is what you are going to experience. So if you believe that you first have to go to purgatory, answer a billion questions, and then if you're a good enough girl or boy, you get admitted to heaven, guess what? That's what you're going to experience. If you believe no, that everybody gets to go straight to heaven, that there is no judgment day, then you will go straight to, straight up, follow the light, and then you will go to your own life review. Your life review is you judging you against the objectives that you set yourself for the lifetime. It's not a punitive, thou shalt rot in hell kind of a judgment. It's a, okay, how do you think you felt as a result of this lifetime? What did you do good? What, where did you get off track? What do you wish that you could do better next time? It's kind of like, yeah, it's just having a chat with you, with yourself and, and, and your guides. Definitely purgatory exists for people who are afraid of death. And I know that because a large proportion of my work is in crossing over earthbound spirits. And an earthbound spirit is a human being who has died who has either received a great shock at the time of death, therefore cannot see the light or is too afraid to see the light, uh, is thrown out of their body at the time of the death, say like in a car crash, train crash or something like that, um, and finds it difficult to get back to their body uh, to then look for the light and cross over, or believes that they are a sinner or have sinned or has some kind of regret and therefore is afraid of punishment and does not go to the light. When you don't go to light, what happens is you remain in the astral realm. And the astral realm has access to the astral realm and the lower astral realm. And then depending upon your beliefs, and Buddhism goes into this into quite depth in terms of the kind of beings that exist in the lower astral realms. Christianity also does it, but don't quote me on it because I'm not a, a, a Bible reading, quoting kind of a person, but the demons are also um, talked about in Christianity. But there are, from my experience and crossing over, I mean hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of of so-called ghosts, there are negative energetic forces in the astral realms, which I would describe as one, simply negative thought forms created by our fears. So what we think as a individual and think as a, as a human race, thoughts create words. So if you have thoughts about negative beings existing, you create them into existence. I can tell you that. And people that are stuck in the astral realms are affected by these beings which are created from the negative thoughts and the fears of those who are stuck in these realms. Because I have them coming to me and they tell me that they are being chased. And I can feel the negative energy that is chasing them and I have to call in the rescue spirits of light, the warrior spirits of light to move the negative energy on and return it to source to be transmuted into light and also to rescue the soul with their permission, because you have free will, if they're ready to go to cross them over. 
So yes and yes and whatever you want to believe is the answer. So be careful of your state of mind when you die. Yeah, that that's it's. I grew up Catholic. I'm not a practicing Catholic. Um, I left that a long time ago. I'm not a big organized religion individual. We won't go into that. It's a very in-depth, long reason. Um, but I'm a very spiritual individual. So I do believe that, you know, we should do good. I do believe, and I, I did that in my job. I try to do that as a human being, as a father, as a husband, as a brother, as a son, as a human being. Um, but in, would you grow up Catholic? They grew up with you, you do this, you're going to go to hell. You lie, you go to hell. You know, yeah. you steal, you go to hell. You know, mm -hmm. you say a swear, you're going to go to hell. Oh, by the way, don't say hell because you're swearing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's it, the concept, I think, in, in regard to that is, is bred out of um, organized religion, giving us this constraint that we have to give us a better understanding, I guess, to be good people. I'm assuming is to keep you kind of in line with something so that if you really screw up, you're going to go to hell. If you really do good, you're going to go to heaven, which in some cases I think is a positive thing. But personally, I think that the opportunity for us to understand that we are a soul that is eternal and a soul that continues to move on, that doing good in life is always a positive thing anyway. And that we should do that to contribute back to each and every other soul that's out there incorporating with us. Um, I believe in ghost kind of thing, or spirit, however you want to put it. I've experienced incidences myself. So I know that that realm or that, that level exists. Um, is that what we call the in-between? Because I've heard and I've seen, uh, and I've, we've talked about on some of my other podcasts, um, that level that's called the in-between. Uh, can you help so us no, understand the, what that is? Uh, the life between lives or the in-between is what other people would call, um, so again, you can use your own terminology, but uh, where I call the life between lives is the resting space that your soul goes immediately after crossing over where it does its life review. It then reunites with its soul group, soul family, then receives any healing that is required and then determines what is their next assignment. So are you then going to be a teacher up in the life between lives? Or um, I kind of also use interchangeably celestial realms. Um, you can call it heaven. You can call it the Akashic realms. You can call it whatever you like. I don't think we should get uh, caught up in terminology and a right and wrong because as you were just talking about before, everything is all about perception. And coming from being a very black and white person, what I've learned through this is there actually is, as much as it's hard to say, there is no right and wrong because truth is subjective. And every soul does what it believes is true for the circumstances and the moment in time and their knowledge at that time what your truth is may not be my truth and we may both do an opposite action believing that it's in our own best interest so truth isn't um and isn't arbitrary and so that's where the concept of hell if we take a moment to step back there 
is a fear-based concept which was brought in or anything that's a negative concept like that. I don't care what religion you're talking about. It's it's about ensuring that people uh, remained feeling separate from and removed from source or God or whatever you want to call the higher power. It was designed to make people feel as though the only time that they could connect with source was when they were in the presence of an appointed person, be whoever that is, a priest, a monk, or or some special person. What this has made us forget that we are in the process of remembering right now is that heaven or God, highest power is not disconnected with us and has never been and is with always with us and is within close your eyes and you have the access to talk to source to commune with source because you are source so you don't need a priest or a church to hear the words of god if god is your chosen word you don't need to do any of that um all the in my understanding all the different religions were different ways of providing different messages but it's the dogma and the doctrine and the um way of putting people in line to frighten them to gain power which has distorted the message and created fear i agree with That's, that I, I think that you know it, it's putting like as a child go, going to um Catholic school, catechism, and you know this kind of a thing. I Bible study. It it was uh, more of a fear based thing. If you don't do this, God's going to be mad at you. He's going to smite you. If you don't do this, you're going to God's going to smite you, and this kind of a thing. And you know, I it's a situation. It's a, a whole another conversation. To, I don't want to go too in depth to it, but uh, realistically, what you just said, I think that we. Um, we have the opportunity to look within ourselves and feel it, see it, experience it within ourselves and know what is right and what is wrong. And of course, make sure anybody out here listening or watching this doesn't give you permission to go rob a bank. <laughs> no. Or, you know, this kind of a thing. But I think that, uh, you know, we all we all have the ability to really innately understand that we're part of that anyway and that we just have to sit down and, and talk to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, give yourself I, I, permission. Yeah, give, exactly. Give yourself permission. Um, I know that uh, you had mentioned something earlier. I took a note here really quick. Um, in regard to the, uh, what is my note? My note. I missed my note. What did I do with it? How about, uh, uh, let's talk about deja vu. Uh, we, mm-hmm. We've experienced deja vu before. I mean, I've experienced deja vu before, and we've all got. Wow, I think I've already been here, but I've never been here. Um, how does that come into play in, in regard to past lives? Mm, okay, I'll give you an, an, a personal example, if you don't mind, no, uh, sure. because that's probably the best way to illustrate it. So, energy uh, cannot be destroyed, right? So, if you experience um, a strong emotion in a location, the energy stays there. So you could walk into a church or a building and if something 
very joyful has happened there or something very horrible has happened there you feel it when you walk into the room it's a bit like you know the old saying you could you walk into the room and you could cut the air with a knife you can feel the energy right um so where deja vu comes in is that you feel the energy of yourself you've you've come to a location and you are feeling it's like almost like a glitch in time because you are sensing the presence of yourself but you know that you've only just arrived so therefore yourself has to have been here exactly at this time in another time or before. Um, so for example, one of the very first episodes, uh, not first episodes, one of the first uh, personal past life regression sessions that I posted on my podcast was uh, of a regression session that I did for myself uh, when I was trying to figure out my blocks in terms of progressing forward with my career, something that I'd said to my um, professional therapist had said to me, oh, I think here what we're looking actually is um, you're blocking yourself. There's some kind of self-punishment here. I think that you self-sabotage. And I was like, yeah, that resonates really true. Let's go explore self-sabotage. And yeah. And uh, I went to a life and before I go to that life, I'll tell you that in tw- in um, the year 2000, I lived in London and I did all the touristy things, including going to see all the cathedrals that you possibly could, going to the castles, going to the Tower of London. And um, I had a distinct deja vu in the Tower of London. Um, and no, I'm not a witch who was, I had her head chopped off. No. Or a prisoner. Uh, have been a prisoner but it's not the thing that you think um a deja vu in the tower of london uh and i also had um a burning um burning curiosity in westminster abbey that was irrational like i i just absolutely had to get underneath and i couldn't get underneath and a third thing was that whenever I am in round spaces uh, in my winemaking career, I worked for a, a winery called Hungerford Hill Vineyards, and they had a cellar door that was circular. Now, I walked into that cellar door that was circular and nearly passed out. It was such a strong reaction. I can't handle circular spaces. Mm. And in this past life that we went back to, I was a monk in what is now Westminster Abbey in the old part, which is the part that when um, the Queen had her burial, they went to first. You know, it's the there's a very small part of that is the old part, and um, within Westminster Abbey there is actually a round section, um, which is where the monks used to, and it's historically written, um, meet for their weekly meetings, and I can um, in this memory remember being a monk uh, who was abandoned at birth by her parents, his parents, sorry. uh, And that was the thing that you did. You handed the children over to the monk. They were going to be looked after. Um, Except for um, back then, original sin and the sin of being abandoned because you must have been a terrible person. um, And self-punishment was the way, you know, you absolve for your sins back then through flagellation. Um, and I have vivid 
uh, memories of seeing in this past life regression because obviously didn't uh, see the moment because my mind censored it but looking at my back and seeing all the the like the cat and nine tail um scars on my back and like wanting to vomit in a session and so uh, what happened was that you're supposed to absolve from your sins through the self-flagellation uh, but i refused to do it uh and so in this circular room they would do it for me until the point where i rebelled and said no i don't want you to do that for me anymore i mean still feel a tiny bit sick when i think about it i will do it for myself so that you don't do it for me um and that was where i learned to self punish myself before others would so in the end i i'll do it before you do it to me you know um and that explained a lot of a lot of things for me and for me also it explained why um i have particular reactions to some a religious dogmen and doctrine because I had a memory in that lifetime of a direct can being able to directly connect to source I came in loaded with certain knowledge and I knew that this wasn't the way that God meant it to be and so I know that in that lifetime I tried to well it would have been seen as being insolent or something you know I tried to correct um, the senior monks uh, on things that I believe were incorrect beliefs. And so that just incurred the the wrath and the and the punishment. So um, it is a rather, in my mind, a good description of deja vu because it's, and, and there were 22 years between having that deja vu moment and my mind being ready to access that. Well, that's quite a, that's quite a bit of time. I mean, obviously, I mean, yes, it's, it's a fantastic analogy of how that how that works. Um, it's amazing that you were able to work back through that and to be able to come to the, the the conclusion of what actually took place and why you were having it. I think that, that did that help you heal? Yeah, it's brought through, uh, in that one session, the first one, it's uh, it's brought through a lot of horrendous uh, experiences in, in the particular region that is that part of the London. Uh, only recently I was able to uh, bring through another lifetime where I was actually imprisoned in the tower uh, when I was an alchemist. And um, that's a whole discussion for another day, but that's a very vivid memory as well of being associated with a particular king who was very much into funding wars by um, transmuting uh, transmuting metals into gold uh, to fund religious and holy wars. Um, and I uh, was killed in the tower and fed to the lion that they had at the time. And it's actually documented uh, there's a lot. This person is Whoa. physically documented in history, and the last part of the life, apparently, he supposedly goes to Africa. But I know I've seen the vision. He doesn't go to Africa. Uh, he gets eaten by a line. Um, so it explained that deja vu when I went to the tower. Um, uh, so we have specific hot spots that we keep reincarnating to because we choose to work through many sides of a story. We do choose to experience. Uh, different angles and uh, uh, different people have different soul journeys. My soul journey so far that I've uncovered has a lot to do with uh, being at pivotal mo moments in history religiously to uh, be a spark, uh, a challenger, um, to shake things up. Uh, but I also have a very specific uh, soul journey with earthbound spirits and a lot of my own um, past life regressions, I go back in and cross myself over as so i go oh, back to the really lifetime and i see myself that the energy is still there 
and I can cross myself over. So I'm healing myself. So learning to cross earthbound spirits over was originally just for my clients. Right. Um, and then because I live opposite a hospital, they started coming in here and I was just like crossing them over anyway. And then I realized that the whole point of it was that there were a very large number of my soul uh, avatars that had not crossed over because of fear. So it's like the lesson that I'm here to teach and that I'm finally stepping into now, you know, it's, it's pretty out there to talk about spirit releasement therapy and ghosts and go on podcasts and talk about it. I'm still unfolding all the lifetimes. Um, you know, I only just discovered one this week about a, a seven-year-old uh, pygmy boy that was me that never crossed over. Um, and so it's, it's one thing to what you come here to teach or to do or to have as a message unfolds as you understand yourself. And uh, for me, it's very, very important to be transparent and authentic. Authentic is one of my uh, key soul values over all the incarnations. Uh, I'm very infuriated in all of my lifetimes where people are inauthentic. And um, for me, authenticity is being transparent in saying, well, here's the raw video and, and, and uh, transcript. You can see me go through this. You can see me scream or yell or cry or um, whatever it is. Uh, but these, I make peace with these incarnations and I learn the lesson and they help me then dig back to the next level. So my current question has been, if I'm here to teach about spirit releasement therapy and this journey of the soul and particularly have a very strong fo focus at the moment with releasing spirits and uh, helping uh, earthbound spirits go to the light, what's that got to do with me? And so I'm going back and I'm finding that the whole point of it is unfolding for me as I go and find different pieces of the pie. And, you know, some of them will, will um, also... Uh, be verifiable in that I can identify who they were and know, link that to known hauntings. So it makes sense. So mm. like I know that I was this particular person, this particular person is known to have haunted this location. Obviously, I'm not going to tell you what that is because I'm not reading that part of my journey yet. But uh, I can I can um, know that what I saw, I do it afterwards obviously, what I saw matches up and then I feel great relief knowing that that space is now cleared. That's amazing. I mean, I, I mean, the possibility in itself is just amazing. I think that uh, it it kind of blows your mind as to really un fully understanding what the potential is there. And, and yeah, I'm surprised every day. <laughs> wow. I mean, yeah, it's uh, it, it. We all think about the things, and you kind of not just the deja vu portion of it, but you all we all wonder why this why that why do i act this way why why am i so uh, such a stickler with it sometimes you look at our childhood i had a very dysfunctional childhood i had two alcoholic parents that were there my father died uh, when i was very young um hadn't seen him since i was 15. Uh, he died when i was 17 kind of a thing and i grew up with a, a single mother the she was an alcoholic for quite some time herself not giving you a life story but you know you 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 get to a point where you kind of go, okay, am I doing this because of the way I grew up? Or am I doing this, or is this happening to me because of a past life that I brought forward with me? How do we distinguish between something like growing up in a dysfunctional environment and what we brought with us with that, and maybe exploring what we brought with us from a past life? Yeah, so what you bring with you from a past life is a limiting belief and that's easy to isolate and find. The choice that you're talking about 
with the dysfunctional childhood, the power in that is to take away the what happened. Uh, and in, in normal regression therapy, so age regression therapy, which I do also, but it's a very small proportion of my life, you go back to the, a pivotal moment in your current childhood, view the scene, uh, release the energy and then see it from a higher perspective of what happened to you. And then you see who was around you, so which spirit guides and angels at the time that this thing happened to you and you get a perspective that you're always uh, protected even though you experience trauma you're always protected. Now, you may have chosen, and this is where the life between lives regression comes becomes very fascinating because you can go to the Soul Council. The Soul Council is a bunch of uh, guides, let's call them for the simplicity, who you work with at the end of each lifetime and you go through the selection process uh, to determine what your next life will be according to what you wish to experience. And uh, you can go to the moment in time where you choose your parents and, and you choose the body that you wish to incarnate into. And when you choose the, the, the selections and the choice of lifetimes, you, you, it's like it's an infinite possibility of choices of what you could happen in your life. But you cho choose um, a, a particular set of parents and a particular person that you want to incarnate as and you say well these are the three things that I would like to see happen with this vehicle that I'm going into for this lifetime and then uh, you say right well not all of the time but most of the time you incarnate in your in with some key members of your soul family and you say who's up for the challenge of being that nasty alcoholic mother who wants to be my alcoholic father and uh, it's a contract that's made that says, I will do for you and, and help you achieve what it is that you want your soul to achieve in this lifetime so that I provide you with uh, barriers that you need to overcome or lessons that you would like to learn so that you can understand more of what you aren't and what you are. Um, and I do this because of my great love for you and you may reciprocate at another stage in another lifetime. Um, or you may, you know, your alcoholic mother and father may not have been soul family members. They just may be the people that you decided to incarnate with. But you had may have had a grandmother or an auntie or a teacher who was a, a support mechanism for you and they were a soul family member that said, okay, you've chosen to have this experience in your childhood. I'm going to be the one person in the background that you can come to and you will innately know that I am safe because I am a soul family member. There are as many possibilities as there are ideas for lifetimes. Um, but when you go to the life between lives, you can ask these questions and say, why did I choose this lifetime? Why did I choose this body? Why did I choose to have this experience? Um, with the knowledge that you have free will. So at any stage, uh, you can change the direction of your life or overcome something depending upon your perceptions and your thoughts about it. And we see this with your own recovery. Right. I'm going to have a serious talk with myself. <laughs> <laughs> but every, 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 every hard part of your life brings lessons and learnings, right? Um, if it I does. I, I'm through what I'm, I've been through. No, no, what I'm saying is that uh, I guess what uh, spiritual regression therapy aims to teach you is that there are no victims in life. Uh, and that we choose our reality based on our thoughts 
and it is the emotion that we uh, retain around a thought that creates the things that we get stuck in life and uh, drag through to other lifetimes. It's the emotional imprint. And when we can remove, remove the emotion from it, we can look at the higher perspective and say, uh, growth comes, you know, a diamond doesn't come without the, the coal to start mm -hmm. with. If you want to have 750 li lives where you are rich, uh, happy, in a perfect marriage and, you know, your house has got gardens of roses and you get to eat caviar your entire life, great. But you're not going to grow. Yeah, you know, I, th I think experiences make us who we are. I, I agree with what you're saying. I think experiences make us who we are. It helps us to have compassion and understanding. It helps us to be able to... Um, live and work with other people so that we can either help. From my perspective, I believe that it allows me to help other people move forward in their life at certain aspects because I can say that I've been through this. I understand what you are experiencing. I empathize with you with that. To me, it gives me that opportunity to be able to do that and say that. And it did as a cop, too. It allowed me to have conversations with people. And innately, they were drawn to me. My wife will tell you. It, it just seems like they were just drawn. They would have conversations with me and they, they it's like, oh, I finally got somebody to talk to. And mm. I took the time to listen. Mm. And, you know, those are lessons that I learned, you know, through my life in order, in order to, to help me manage as well as to help them move forward in life and it made me feel better. Mm. So from that the perspective... Other thing is that, yeah. The other thing is that, so you may have something traumatic happen to you and you may know at an innate level, I did not choose this. This is the opposite of what I chose, right? There's no way that I would even up there choose to have this happen to me. It's just, it's totally opposite to what I know as my truth. And what the, what the thing is, is that your sub and superconscious mind. So your conscious mind is your everyday reality. Subconscious mind is the filing cabinet that stores all your emotional reactions to what's happened to you in this lifetime. Superconscious mm -hmm. mind is the filing cabinet for all lifetimes. So you may have had something happen to you and you're like, I would never have picked this. No one would ever have picked this, right? Um, but what it may be is that at the superconscious level, there is some belief there that says something like, terrible things always happen to me or I am accident prone or I always end up in situations that nobody could ever predict that go horribly wrong. There's, you know, it can actually be a superconscious belief that you have developed over time because of an incident in another lifetime or because of residual emotion that you have never released that mm -hmm. says, um, I always get in bad situations. And it's a false belief that you've accumulated. Um, and because your soul hasn't, um, release the emotions they have clung to you until you believe that at a truth level which your super conscious mind says this is no matter what Michael's conscious mind says no matter what work he does with affirmations and any form of therapy he has a fundamental core belief like I discovered one the other day which blew my mind I can't tell you how much work I've done on money Okay, I have done every form of therapy that you can imagine. My children go to, and this is not a boasting thing, but this this is show you how contrasting it is to my core belief. My children go to the most expensive um, school in our state, right? So I'm used to being around wealthy right. people. You drive into the turning circle, they're all Porsches and Lamborghinis or whatever it is, okay? I drive a Hyundai, so just tell you that I'm not a Porsche driving 
nothing wrong with that. But so I thought I'm good with money. I, I like money. I want to understand the benefits of it. Um, I am totally okay with uh, wealthy people. Um, I've seen lifetimes where I was exceedingly wealthy. And um, I went back to a lifetime. I've done a lot of work in the downtime over the Christmas seasons, you know, like uh, I, I can't even tell you how many regressions I've done, but uh, must be at least 25, 30 now, um, where I went back to a lifetime and I discovered that my core belief about money is that uh, I think it was, and I have to do the transcript, wealthy people sicken me. Thickened you. Sicken. Wow. Wealthy people sicken me. And it, well, it, and that's that's an inter that's interesting actually that it, that came about when you're when you're in this environment where you felt that it's no big deal I can be around these people, but deep 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 down inside you came to that realization. That's an, that's interesting. Have you worked through that? Yeah. So uh, the lifetime was when I was. Uh, uh, kind we were trying to find if I had some kind of a, actually wasn't going there for a money regression. I was trying to find if there was some kind of a lifetime because I'm a, because I've written this one chapter in the book and I've got, I know I've got heaps of uh, books that are ready to come out, but there's a little bit of a block about writing. So we were exploring, we were trying to see, is there some kind of a scribe lifetime where I've had sacred knowledge or something and I've been punished or, because I've discovered that in clients where they've died uh, protecting sacred manuscripts. And I thought, I wonder if there's something like that for me. And in this lifetime, uh, I was working for, now for me, because I get hung up quite easily on timelines and trying to research people and find the history. At the moment, uh, I am purposely not being shown uh, any identifying objects. Uh, so that I can't place timeline because my soul really wants me to get to the root right. issue rather than me then go and be obsessive about researching it. So I can't tell you what the timeline was. Uh, I can tell you what I saw. And I saw that I worked for this king-like, uh, I couldn't identify him, figure, a rich figure. And he collected treasures that weren't his own when he went to different countries or different places. So in my mind, it was like he stole these treasures and took them back to this, what I described like an Aladdin's cave. And my job was to sit in this cave and inventorize these items and um, uh, just keep them there. I was the guard and the inventory, the scribe of these uh, items. Now, that was fine until he started collecting so many and becoming so greedy uh, that he would then make me ride out on the horse. And I see myself very specifically riding out to this carriage, taking this... Um, this, uh, if you imagined a wizard's staff and you had a big uh, ruby on the top, mm -hmm. uh, this ruby. And I got the ruby and I took it back to the cave and by this stage there was just stuff everywhere because I couldn't keep up with uh, documenting of all this stuff. He was just accumulating so much stuff. And I remember looking into this ruby and going, there's something very spiritual about this ruby. There's some magical powers here, but he doesn't see it. And I... It's not my ruby, so I can't access his powers, but I know there is some spiritual meaning to this sacred object. And he's just stolen it. And this is where we got to the, it sickens me that somebody sees this as a wealth item, a possession item, and they're not using it or will never use it. It's going to collect dust for uh, a possession base. base um, Instead of what it's truly meant to be. Yeah, and it was like it sickens me, and I literally had then 
the stomach issues that came up with like I wanted to vomit and I, I couldn't I, I couldn't have predicted that if I tried. Like, wow, it's amazing. Wealth sickens me, yeah, and people who, yeah, who are wealthy sicken me. And I was like, that's just so not my conscious mind. Like, but so but, when you do that, that you unlock the the realization that you know that's that's your belief that needed to be released. Well, are you writing now, though? That's the question. Uh, I'm just really busy with crossing over ghosts at the moment so, <laughs> and having spirit releasement sessions. So uh, I, I will be once, you know, once I get through, uh, February is my busiest month of the year. So um, it's it's about, yes. Well, there are priorities. I mean, yeah. Valentine's is coming up and, you know, some of these need to cross over just because maybe there's somebody waiting for them on the other side, right? <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Um, <laughs> excuse me. We're running out of time. I could kind of continue this conversation for another two hours. There's so much that you can share with this with this audience, with this world, that I would love to have another conversation with you. If we can we can do that, I would you know, I would love to pick it up again. There are so many sure. things that I still kind of want to explore with you, like um, the um, past, present, and future lives. I know that uh, you, you said that we can uh, uh, kind of take a glance at our future life. Uh, which I think is like a, a wonderful opportunity for us to understand maybe where we might be going. And then we've got uh, the spirit releasement therapy, uh, the difference between past life regression and life regression therapy. But there's just so much more that I would love to talk to you about. Um, but I do want to make sure that we get a couple of things in uh, in regard to you and what you could provide for other people. So uh, can we talk a little bit about that? Like, sure, yeah. Tell me about how somebody can reach you and um, what you can do for them, your podcast, because you've got a brilliant podcast. I've been listening to it. Everybody needs to listen to it and, and how we can reach you. Sure. So katish.com is my central point for everything. And um, you can book a session with me. Well, not a session. I have changed it to you have to book a month worth of sessions at once because uh, we need to get to the root cause of issues and it doesn't just happen like that. It's, it's, it's uh, ongoing. My podcast showcases, I think we're up to 48 episodes of, of different regression sessions based on themes with real clients. Um, the very first year of the, the very first session of the podcast was a lot of me talking and some of my experiences, but uh, all of the rest of the seasons are done by themes where I have invited people to come on to do sessions with me to an explore a theme to get to the root cause of that. So they're real people. Uh, and the book Entangled No More is just a simple chapter about past life regression therapy and it uses a case study from a lady and also myself. So a lot of people start out by going and either listening to the podcast or reading the chapter in the book to get an idea if it interests them, quite often it will trigger you into thinking, oh, I wonder if that's relevant for me. And that's the thing that makes you book a session. Other people, like um, the other day I had uh, a lady just found me on Google Maps. She's, she was desperate for spirit releasement therapy. She knew she had an issue. And so she just typed in that keyword and, and that's what she came for. In all sessions, you know, it's my obligation to check that you don't have... Um, uh, blocks on your energy. So I do do body scans to release any energy thought forms or um, anything that is uh, making an impact on your life. Um, so I, 
I do incorporate spirit releasement therapy as part of all sessions, but it's only, um, you know, if you don't have any attachments, you don't have any attachments. So, um, yeah, there's, it's the, que- the burning question is what is it that you wish to explore? What are you curious about? What do you feel is holding you back? And I have a multitude of different ways and tools to uh, help you find that answer for yourself. And you're the one who finds the answer, not me. I think it's a, as it is an amazing opportunity for us to take a really good look at our souls, where we've come from, where we are in present, and where we have the possibility of going through in the future. Um, what a what a wonderful, brilliant uh, job that you have. I mean, I call it a job, but it, it it is a job. I mean, what you do for people and moving them forward in such a positive way and clearing these kind of blockages in understanding where they came from to help them improve their lives now is a very wonderful thing. So thank you for doing that. You're welcome. The key is that I'm not doing it. You're doing it for yourself and I'm I'm you're the guide. guiding you through the process. Do you know what I mean? It's your mind directing it. You are the one releasing it. I'm not using magic. It's just that you you are giving me permission to direct you through your mind. So I'm giving the power back to you. That's fantastic. I, I think that um, I, I I can't wait till we have another conversation. I think that we have so much more to talk about and um, so much to explore and to share, educate, motivate and inspire people. So in the meantime, this is one more thing before you go. So do you have any words of wisdom that you can share with us? Just give yourself permission to follow your curiosity. Brilliant words of wisdom. Katish, thank you very much. I really appreciate you joining me on this conversation, sharing your wisdom and your experiences with us. I think that uh, you're a fantastic individual and a, uh, a gift to the world. So thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of One More Thing Before You Go. Check out our website at beforeyougopodcast.com. You can find us as well as subscribe to the program and rate us on your favorite podcast listening platform.